Hello, welcome again to Carchum. I think it's fair to say that this week's show didn't exactly go as I'd planned. I had hoped we'd talk about near misses. Design and construction near misses, that is. Not Armco near misses. Anyway, anyway, we sort of started down that path, but ended up talking about convertibles, Cuba, trains, tubes, pianos and plaxtons. Oh, uh, and motorbikes as well. If nothing else, I guess it proves that we're not AI voices and most definitely not controlled by a script. So here it is, in all its varied glory, this week's Car Chum. So you want, you want to use my show prep? Uh, yeah, basically I want to use all your <laughs> notes because I've done no prep of my own. Right. I forgot. I didn't know the test was today, sir. I haven't done any homework. <laughs> if I hold it up, you can just read it. I can't read your writing at the best of times, never mind when it's being <laughs> waved in front of me like a flag. And look what's still in here. Ten pence. Yeah, the coin. This is the coin that was used for the genuine engine quiz. It amazes me the amount of effort you put into these things. Yeah, and the savings. <laughs> Oh, we'll save that. That'll be a, a valuable heirloom one day. I've got a question. Only one? Yeah, I've got a question before we start. Yeah, finish well, we have started, first. really. What's the difference between convertible, cabriolet, ragtop, drop-top, volante, laundelay? How do you say that? Laundelay, I would that say laundelay, probably, yeah. And the other one, coupe de ville. Coupe de ville, Okay. All right. So, well, can we just define all of those? Because it yeah bothers me. Okay, I'll just I'll just go and do something else. Yeah, no, go go for it. Um, they're, they're largely the same. Convertible is obviously any car that has a roof that lowers and raises. Right. Um, now cabriolet, I think I think you can wind the windows down on a convertible. And you have just the windscreen and nothing else visible okay. above the, okay. the belt line of the car. Yeah. Cabriolet, you can wind the windows down, certainly in the front. The rear windows, i.e. either side of the back seat, may be fixed, but the frame stays in place. So you've still got window frames permanently mm. fixed, regardless of whether windows are up or down. Um, so a good example of this would therefore be the the later Jaguar XJS. That, that was a convertible, but the XJ Dash. Oh, Dash C no, was a, a cabriolet. I think is probably yeah. correct. Um, okay. There was also, I think this is the reason that Ford called their XR3 and XR3i cabriolet, not convertible, because that had fixed window frame. Um, yeah. I think the Golf GTI was cabriolet and convertible. Um, don't think the Beetle was. But yeah, so that's, mm, I, I think, okay. I believe is the case. What was the other one you said? You, you had about six others, didn't you? Uh, uh, yeah, well, the other ones were just... They're all, they're all the same. Ragtop, drop-top, volante. Well, ragtop and drop-top is, is basically the same thing, slang for the same thing. Um, Volante, I would have to look up because I'm not even about to guess exactly what it means in Italian, but... Uh, uh, flying. Flying. Oh, so that's basically then the sporting derivation mm. of a normal car, isn't it? So the Aston mm. 
DB5 yeah. Volante was the was some kind of like the well super legera was lightweight wasn't it or super lightweight but yeah. they're they're sort of sporting versions of I think mm-hmm. and a coupe de ville is where you can pull or remove the roof from above the front seat but retain the rest of the roof over the rear seats so a bit like a targa um, okay, so oh yeah, I'd forgotten Targa, hadn't I? But a Targa is a hard is an is, is a solid piece of roof that you can mm. remove and still have the rear of the roof over the passenger compartment because it used to be with a chauffeur. Chauffeurs used to yeah. sit out in the open, and your passenger compartment would be contained. And this came from horse and carts and carriages, where you know a coach and four, the drive was outside in all weathers, the passengers were inside in the warm. So examples of which might be the Smart 4-2. Okay, yeah. But but they didn't have any people behind, obviously, but uh, was a sort of peelable bag. <laughs> Just chasing after it. <laughs> What's that, <laughs> boy? Go get the flick gun. I ain't seen me a car so smart. Oh, that's not upset the American. Um, <laughs> um, and um, how about this one? When was this last talked about? A Citroen Plurial. I don't know what that is. It sounds like something you'd need to... Need to take tablets for. <laughs> no, the Citroen Plurial, it was a great idea, actually. It was based on the C2, so based on some fairly ordinary hatchback. Little yeah. bit bubble-esque shape, a little bit like a, a, um, a beetle shape. Little bit. Mm-hmm. It was a soft top. It was a soft top which, which you could pull back, but mm-hmm. it had solid frames around the... A, a to C pillars, but you they were unclickable and you could remove them and you could effectively turn the thing into a sort of a pickup truck <laughs> or a full convertible uh, or you could oh, have it as okay. a coupe de ville. Because obviously things like the Citroen 2CV had effectively a yes. rollback roof which you just yep. pulled the entire thing, the, the frame stayed in place and the yep. whole thing just rolled backwards down, which the cars have been doing since the dawn of time. The Plurial was a little bit of an homage to that, yeah. but a modern version. The only problem was, once you took out the the, the, the roof rails, which were obviously very large and very heavy, um, you had nowhere to put them, or you did, and you <laughs> yeah, you had them sticking up like two planks of wood in the back, <laughs> on the way back from, from the DIY shop. You know, it wasn't it, it had some problems, but it was a neat idea. This was always the the, the, the issue with, with certain convertibles, or those big Mercedes in the 30s with the you know the large sort of big big four-seater limousine things was when they put the roof down it was basically the same height as the windscreen at the back it's just a <laughs> yes, gigantic like a... big roof that you couldn't see out the back of it would be like driving a van like a, a golf um go- golf always looks like a pram doesn't it yeah you know? <laughs> yeah there's some certain convertibles are far far more ungainly than others ford did it very well ford of america did it very well in the 60s um initially with what they called the retractable which was a a metal roof that went down Mm. into the boot so they did 57 to 59 it was immensely expensive car to produce i think they lost money on every one but it looked fantastic you pushed a button and it it, it sort of the entire metal roof lifted dropped into the boot the boot was rear hinged all dropped down i mean you had a space literally like a small cardboard box in the boot when the roof was down but Mm. i i know People have owned them. I've driven them. They're so they're, they're such a posing thing to have a metal roof that goes down into the boot. 
Um, they're, they're sort of 700 feet of wiring in them. Um, so, so that's great. Um, Ford, Ford loved to say they invented it. They didn't. It was Peugeot in the 30s. Um, Peugeot, it wasn't called a decapitable, but it was something similar to that. But Peugeot well, actually a invented a, a, a flip over metal roof. Yeah, the, the Citroen convertibles were decapitable, yeah. Mm. Um, Peugeot, again, obviously brought one out in the 90s. That was the 206cc, mm-hmm. I think it was. Yeah, and they, you know, and again, they, they sort of made a big thing out of it. And people were, oh, Ford were doing that the 50. Well, no, Peugeot did it first. Mm. Um, you were saying about pickups. That what was the Skoda that had, it was a Skoda-type <laughs> yes. pickup truck, but you yes. had a bench seat in the back. You could push it forward. Or backward into the pickup bed to turn it into a four-seater. They were always bright yellow, and they were a great-looking vehicle. You don't seem to see anymore. Does this bring us on to today's topic, which we haven't discussed yet, which we were vaguely saying was was cars that sort of great idea but missed the mark, or or what were you? Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. But I think it's probably um, a, a, a facsimile for the for the whole episode, really, because we're that just missing the mark. We're talking about convertibles as we head into winter. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, great timing. Things that kind of missed the mark. I mean, that was—I wouldn't say the Skoda missed the mark. I mean, they seem to sell quite a few. I saw people using them as pickup trucks a lot more than I ever saw them using them as a as, as a four seater. Well, it was an easy thing. You just—I I saw it done. You, you had what basically looked like a pickup truck. You pulled the back of the cab wall and the window out, and that unfolded two seats in the back. It turned it basically into a four seater. With a very with with half the pickup bed that it had before, mm-hmm. which was great in summer, Clever. but obviously in the winter <laughs> you were sat outside in the pickup bed with nothing above you. But the whole um, converted saloon to pickup thing n- never really worked in Europe in any meaningful way. You know, kind of El Camino and and uh, you know, very popular mm. in America. Holden can't think of the name of it. Um, uh, Ute. In, in, <laughs> Ute, yeah. <laughs> generic ute you know very popular elsewhere that never really um caught on in europe did it and that that skoda's a kind of halfway house to that isn't it really it it is yeah it it's um they sold enough of them you know i i certainly do remember seeing them around they were very distinctive in that bright yellow anyway but certainly mm. in the uk um they sold enough to make it a success i wonder if it was safety killed it possibly i mean it would have had seat belts in the back it would have been probably you know mm. arguably no worse than any convertible that didn't have a roll true. bar or whatever true um yeah it could could well be but i uh, i would think skoda would have made it incredibly safe I mean, they they contrary to all the jokes and things they do make extremely good cars mm. uh and always have i don't think there's been a bad skoda really there's been very basic skodas but there's never been one that I, I think is a is a terrible one that you sort of look at and go, oh, you know, they were they weren't very good because the jokes came because they were basic. We're talking about eighties here, aren't we? Really, where the jokes came from, but, but the, because oh. they were basic, but um, they were very elderly of design by then because they hadn't had any injection of capital. So uh, you know, it, they were they were they were old and basic, and you know, the, the two things oh. combined to to make them an easy target and cheap they were a cheap car that became successful by buying a a car that's built in a country that has horrendous harsh winters Mm. so czechoslovakian cars russian cars anything like that 
they're going to be reliable. <laughs> I mean, it's annoying if you go out on a sunny day and your mini doesn't start. But if you go out into the middle of, you know, Kiev, <laughs> minus 40 degrees, and your car doesn't start, you will probably die. <laughs> so, the, yeah. you know, these were simple, reliable cars. There was no need to put electronics on them. There was no need to put... You know, there's no need to put anti-lock brakes on it because anybody who was born and lived in a country where it snowed 70% of the time knew how to drive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, there's ice. You know, they were just like, hey, there's ice. Hooray. You know, that's a normal thing. That's what happens in our summer. So, yeah, it it, it was very wrong. I always hated these these jokes about them. Um, They were great cars. Never owned one. Driven a few. Skoda's thoroughly decent, really like Larders as well. A friend of mine, I'd go off on a side because we need a story. Um, friend of mine had a Larder 1200 saloon. Mm-hmm. Dece- yeah, it was a decent car. It was nothing yeah, special, I like but it was, a, yep. it was a decent yeah, yeah. little car. Um, I think he had it second hand, but it was still tidy. It was a couple of years old. Uh, someone drove into the side of him, smashed all the um, the front wing, back wing driver's door in. Um, so he claimed on the insurance it was still a relatively new car at the time. And they said, yeah, take it down to this, you know, bodywork place, wherever, you know, your nearest approved garage is. So he drove in there and it was a Rolls-Royce and Bentley dealership. And he thought, this can't be right. <laughs> I've got the wrong address here. But he went and asked, you part of the lard, this very, very battered larder outside amongst all the, you know, corniches and, uh, <laughs> and uh, continentals and things. And they said, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, you've got the right address. We've got a body shot around the back. And this, you know, somebody at the insurance obviously thought, oh, it's the nearest body shop, tap it. Yeah, it's in the computer body shop, send him there. Um, he went back and collected it a week later. And the guy said everybody in the shop loved working on the larder because it's so different <laughs> to the Rolls Royce and Bentleys we're always doing. And they took him out and they to look at it and they'd done Rolls Royce standard paintwork on it. <laughs> <laughs> on one side. And the, the guy said, oh, we, we we put on new panels. He said, we've gapped them. <laughs> so, so they're all like millimetre perfect. And he said it was just like a huge mirror. There wasn't a blemish in this car. The other side still looked awful. Yeah, yeah, of The course. side they'd worked on was amazing. <laughs> the last Reva uh, that I went in was in Cuba. Oh. And, of course, you know, there are a lot of interesting cars to... Uh, Get a ride in there. Um, expensive though, mm. I tell you. The, yeah, the cabs because oh, really, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm I'm guessing you went dressed as a tourista, did you, with your big hat and your you know stuffed donkey under your arm? Hello, I'm not local. <laughs> Fleece me. Wearing, well, yes, wearing um flannel. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> with your union flag. Yeah, no, the cars are amazing. Um, what's more amazing than the actual cars is the way that they've been maintained. So, you know, you, uh, m- the vast majority of them, you'll look at them and they outwardly look like uh, a 50s, 60s American car, but actually they've got, mm. um, you know, a Mitsubishi diesel under the bonnet from 1982, um, yes. which is one of the reasons that the air is, you know, particularly along the Malacan, along the front, you know, the air is just thick with pollution it's grim but anyway the um the, i went in a reaver because because um, i actually chose to you know there was a rank of cars to choose from and i thought no, i'm gonna go for the larder um uh, because and, you thought uh, it might have the original engine still and yet ironically it, did. it had an oldsmobile 303 in it <laughs> that's right <laughs> made a great sound 
<laughs> had a hemi. <laughs> Alarmingly, though, um, you know, I was spending the journey kind of looking around the car as you do. Uh, and enjoying the ride, but alarmingly, I saw down to the left-hand side of the driver was his uh, his security device, a baseball bat. Oh, uh, <laughs> you're going to uh, say a big know. snake? <laughs> no, 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 no. It was it was a baseball bat, a little bit like um, we were talking about a few weeks ago with the uh, Rolls Royce Phantom and the Skoda umbrellas. <laughs> the, the the thing in in, Cu- in in Cuba, obviously, is they um. They're, they're very obviously they love these cars that that were left after the you know the whole American embargo and everything, which I think is now not necessarily over, but you can at least import goods into Cuba from America under certain circumstances. So they are now at least getting oil and getting you know the certain bits and pieces they need, like you know, wheel bearings and things that mm. they've had to make in the past. But there's there's a big car club culture because these vehicles obviously are used as taxes. They make a lot of money. So if you've got a really wretched old Pontiac or Buick or whatever that's that's literally hanging, looks like it's ready for the banger racing circuit, you struggle to make any money. Whereas if you've got a properly immaculate looking Pontiac, then you can make... And I think it's the difference between like a dollar a day and sort of $30 a, a ride, you know, an hour. Yeah, it, it's it having a huge. really nice car. So you then, you once you join the car clubs and you get approval that your car is, 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 is a decent example, it massively, massively increases your income. So these guys are hugely proud of these cars. They're not just like a classic car owner would be in many countries. These, these are guys who, it, it's their living and their livelihood. The cars are putting food on their tables. Unless, of course, um, you're wearing a Panama hat, in which case you get charged a 30 bucks, whatever, um, in well, the larder absolutely, as yeah. well. If you're, if, you're, if you're, again, walking around looking like a tourist with a box of cigars, <laughs> shouting the odds, going, where's Hemingway's house? Um, then, yeah, you, you will, they will mark you out as, um, hey, the gringo over there has much dinero. Uh, La Floridita was the bar that he used to go to. Oh, was it? Hmm. Did you go there and have a mint julep? I walked in there uh, briefly. It was absolutely rammed. Um, yeah, and then walked back out. Uh, been in it. Oh. And there's a, there's some kind of statue of him leaning against the bar or something. I can't remember exactly, but something like that. That'd be a great way to be remembered, though, wouldn't it? For You've, you've written countless fantastic novels, but you're mainly remembered for your alcoholism. <laughs> I think that's well, the way better, to go. It's, it's 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 better to be remembered for that, including your novels, than just the alcoholism. I suppose <laughs> this is true. This is true. Always fancy going to Cuba. So I suspect it's like a lot of these places. Um, but people always say, "Oh, you should have gone ten years ago." Oh, it's all changed. I think that will that will apply retrospectively, but it applies now as well. Yeah. So, in other words, you know, in another decade, it will be vastly different to yeah. to now. I think I'd love it. I, I I would be just staggered all the time. And I, I went to went to Malta probably twenty or twenty twenty five years ago. Um, long enough ago that I went with the school, and <laughs> so I was probably about Plus. fourteen, fifteen, something like that. And a bit of creative math there. I'm not going to say all that. Um, <laughs> 25, Mike. You look good on it. Um, but they, I, I wouldn't get that all far. My friends knew. No, thank you. Uh, it's been a hard life. Smoked a lot when I was a child. And 
it's, it's the friction, you see. And <laughs> everybody knew I was a, a sort of car freak, even when I was a kid. And they, they were aware that Malta was just full of old British cars. So he said, look, whatever you do, we don't just want to hear about cars all the time. We're not just going to spend the week talking about cars. And, oh, yes, you know, trying to convince the teachers that maybe we could take the coach into a scrapyard and have a look and see what, but nobody was going for it. But we arrived there and we walk out of, um, we went by air, yeah, we walked out of the airport. And outside the airport, there was nothing but Mark II consoles and Zephyrs <laughs> taxis. <laughs> just like a sea of them. It looked like Dagenham in 1957. And all my schoolmates immediately went, wow, what's that? So I spent the entire time pointing out, you know, oh, that's a that's an Austin Cambridge, that's an A one oh five, that's you know, that's that's a mark that's a Mark One console. You can see the difference between that and Zephyr, because you know, it's a two point six engine and they were more fascinated than I was. I knew what to expect. But they were just sort of constantly you could always hear it, Mike, what's that? So it went past. <laughs> so uh, I think a lot of those cars are probably gone now from, from Malta. Mm. Uh, I know they got rid of a lot of the buses. We went, uh, I don't know, half a dozen years ago, and I don't remember thinking, wow, lots of old British cars. No. 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 It's it's a shame. I mean, they were good that they hung on as long as they did. Um, The buses would have still been there, wouldn't they? The classic buses. Red and yellow, you know, old sort of Bedfords and... Do you know? I don't remember even that. I actually, I, we weren't there very long. Were you on the run um, again? Was this another one or, of your or, quick? Or we just need on to the go rum. to Switzerland <laughs> via Malta. <laughs> um, yeah, no, don't. Recall. Well, no, a lot, a lot of those have gone anyway. Sadly, I think you know the chances of seeing duple-bodied Bedfords and things, and you know Plaxton and. Uh, you see, part of the problem is I, I can appreciate old. Buses and commercials, but I, you know, I would barely know one if it ran over my foot. Um, you Fair know, the difference, the difference between a Leyland Tiger and a, um, I'm struggling with another name that you haven't mentioned already. Leopard. <laughs> Leopard. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm exactly the same with with motorcycles. I've I've got friends who've got motorbikes, and I love them, but I don't know the first thing about them. Mm. And I, I sort of, oh, that's nice. <laughs> and then you, you know, what, what year is it? Yeah. And I go, 1936, <laughs> and it's got the, you know, you could tell that because it's got the double exhaust, and, the, and you, oh, that's that's pleasant. So, what's <laughs> British? Is it? You kind of, you never really know what to ask. I had a, a a car dealer that I knew said, oh, you like old stuff, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, you know. You always say yes, because you never know what you're about to get, mm. you know. Here's a free jukebox. Fantastic. Um, and he said, are you into bikes? Oh, yeah, I appreciate them. He just bought four pre-war Indian motorcycles, which are kind of, I'm not going to upset people by saying the equivalent of Harley Davidson, but they're that popular. The Indian mm. motorcycle was a was an institution, was a fantastic bike, and he had four of these things, all ex-army. Um, that the army had bought before the war, and he said, "Go on, have a ride." And I, I these things were gorgeous. I'd never ridden a motorcycle, and I never wished so much that I had a, a mm. motorcycle license, because I, I sat on one. And he was saying, "Oh, and don't forget the brakes on the opposite side." That, that means nothing to me. I've never ridden a bike. I don't know which one the brake is. 
Do you, do you motorcycle, Tony? Are you a you're a... fairly recently? Um, I added to my various tests that I've got, but yeah. Um, I can I ride a motorbike? Yes. Do I own a motorbike? Yes. Am I a motorcyclist? No. Ah. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yeah, you just so, stand beside it. Do you looking proud like Fonzie on Happy Days? Yeah, I don't like to put any miles on it in between MOTs, but <laughs> you just it, wheel it, uh, wheel it to places and under the yeah. cover of darkness, and then pretend you rode there. That's right, with the with the front front wheel on a dolly, so it doesn't ro- rotate. What, yeah. um, what motorcycle do you own? This is a BM. This is it is a BMW. Um, see, there we go. You see, I actually even begin to struggle. Um, F eight hundred. Okay, but it won't mean anything to you. It's an 800 BMW so, twin cylinder, um, sort of sporty, sort of toury, sort of, you know. I mean, it's look. It, what I, year? I, I don't know. Okay, I don't I know. see what you mean. Late to, late two thousand. Yeah, I do see what you mean. Um, it's not that new. It's not that old. It's not. It's in lovely condition. But you know, I I, I like it. I keep it clean. Um, I keep it tidy. I enjoy getting not it out occasionally. It. Yeah, <laughs> um, I appreciate appreciate it, and there is the very odd occasion where uh, you take it out and really enjoy. It. And but it's a, a very small sweet spot in for me in terms of occasion, weather, um, you know, enough time, mm. etc. A little bit. It, it, it's it's an even narrower window than uh, a convertible in the UK. You know, where right. it's not not too hot, not too cold, not too wet, not too, you know. Um, so <laughs> Goldilocks. <laughs> well, it is really, isn't it? You know, those kind of specialist vehicles. Well, to me, have a have a very narrow window of opportunity for enjoyment. I I suppose the only I mean I I would love to own bikes. I love the look of them. I love everything about them, other than actually as you say riding them i would not want to ride a bike on the roads we've got at the moment because so many car drivers are morons um but i think if everybody owned a motorbike if you're in one of the country you know like vietnam where <laughs> sort of a million motorcyclists and eight people with cars <laughs> i imagine it's a fantastic thing because everybody's looking out for each other um, but I, I definitely understand the appeal of a motorbike. I just think I'd kill myself on one pretty quickly. What I don't get when I ride is that feeling that motorcyclists claim of the ultimate freedom, sense of freedom. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. get that any more with a motorcycle than I do with... A caterham or something like that. Yeah. I I think that you know, or a Westfield or, or whatever. I think though though <laughs> they give that sense as much as the motorcycle does. In a sense, more because you haven't got all the faff of helmets and protective gear and and earplugs and <laughs> gloves and and boots and you, you know. I mean, really, by the time you've got. <laughs> got dressed up and got on the motorbike that 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 window of opportunity has probably passed <laughs> you know <laughs> quickly does the weather change where you live <laughs> <laughs> quickly yeah, the sun's I... out get into my big leather romper suit oh it's gone where are my boots it. oh dear it's winter again <laughs> 
Forget um, it. <laughs> you, you sort of collect licenses, though, in a way, don't you? Haven't you got a, like a lorry driving license as well? I do, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that was and... a, that was a passing whim, wasn't it? You I'd... drove a lorry <laughs> once and thought, not sure this is for me. Um, uh, no, I mean, although with certain labour shortages currently ongoing in the United Kingdom, um, actually refreshing it and um, starting again looks pretty appealing, actually. <laughs> I I always wanted to drive a lorry when I was a kid. I always wanted to um, you know to have a go in one. I still do actually. I just love to see what it's like. Um, I've sat in them. I've been out in lorries, you know. But uh, it's just an appeal, I think, in in kind of driving something that big. I'd love to have a go at an ocean liner as well. Then you know have a little sort of <laughs> have, have a little play. <laughs> I think I think you're kind of going down in in responsiveness terms with every vehicle you're choosing <laughs> <Yes>. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much. Um, yeah, steer. I am steering. Nothing's happening. Um, what about a train? A train. Trains kind of appeal, but what I I sort of noticed with um with trains is you can't see a lot. Um, okay. I watched a few sort of in, you know, you, you go on onto YouTube or whatever, and there's these in-cab films where they go from London to Brighton in, in sort of 17 mm-hmm. seconds. But the modern trains, you've got no view out the sides. Mm. And the old trains, you're, I'm, I'm saying trains here, and probably there will be people screaming because it's 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 locomotives it's a locomotive. and engines isn't it it's not a <laughs> yes, train <yeah. laughs> it's a, it is though it is a, a steam train. locomotive no 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 it's a train it's a train <laughs> this will be wildly unpopular but it is a train <laughs> it's just how many people we can alienate we've already upset the cubans uh set motorcyclists um yeah it's um I'd, but but you you just don't get that much of a a view out out of it, and it looks like really hard work. Driving a steam engine doesn't look like <laughs> yes. they take passengers. It's one of the you know, the idea of shoveling coal doesn't doesn't really appeal that much, mm. and the fact that you're effectively riding a bomb on wheels. <laughs> I know it would be like the last time I went sailing. I suspect. Where the guy said, right, this is the most important thing. And if this was a 22-foot, you know, little yacht thing, this wasn't anything fantastic. But he said, the most important thing here, that's the depth gauge. He said, if that goes below a certain point, we're going to end up on those sandbanks and we'll be there till the tide changes. So we had plenty of time to discuss why I hadn't been looking at the depth gauge. (laughs) As we got stuck on the sandbank for four hours and pretty much <laughs> ate everything on board and did our entire life histories and me saying, so when, when does the tide change? Another three hours. <laughs> okay. So, and I think it would be the same on a steam locomotive. I think they'd be like, right, main thing is boiler pressure. Don't let that get above, you know, 800 PSI or whatever. And I'd mm. be looking out the window and then a bolt would fly past my head. And I thought, oh, what was that? <laughs> and then notice that the entire thing was glowing and and sort of you know pulsating and think oh pressure yeah I was supposed to do something there wasn't I? My yeah my my issue with that or that no, it's not an issue the reason that I think I've never got into trades um, is um, <laughs> that that you fundamentally get rid of that 
element of choice and freedom that you have, I think, with pretty much every other mode of transport. Yes, even even flying an aeroplane, um, driving a car, a motorbike, um, ship, you're stuck on two rails that go in i was going to say one direction but arguably they go in two um you, you can you you, you can you can only go where that takes you there is no user chooser in that and you're also severely dictated by um schedules and timings obviously of of other vehicles using that single line at the same time so I don't I I, th- I don't know it, that strikes me and here train enthusiasts will very quickly tell me why I'm horribly wrong but it it looks like a system that's ripe for automation and mechanization way ahead of the I automobile it, I think it largely has been automized automized you know automized <laughs> that thing that happens um I think it has largely been made automatic by um you know since the war uh, mm. they've they've been bringing in you know there's here's a way of doing this by computer it it fascinates me from a point of view of you've got as you say these rails all across the country in, in virtually every country in the world and it's how they must work it out so that you've got an engine and x number of carriages in location a and a driver who then gets on that train takes it mm-hmm. to location B and then somehow gets home again. <laughs> and then that train that's now at location B either goes back to location yes. A or it gets split into pieces and it goes yeah. to location C. And I'm I'm fascinated by somebody Yes. Certainly back in the thirties and forties, someone would have to sit down with a huge sheet of paper, mm-hmm. presumably Mm-hmm. You know, sort of fifty miles of, of 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 track, and go right. That needs to be there on Tuesday morning, and yeah. this, you know, this this box wagon full of fish has got to go from Grimsby to London, and you know, for Wednesday night, and therefore <laughs> we'll put it on that train. But then that train's got to stop there and pull that there, and it 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 fascinates me how they must so, have done that. It must have been a mathematical conundrum. Same as constantly. the tube. Same as the tube. The tube, yeah. The London you know, I mean, uh, Underground, yeah. yeah. What an, um, or any 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 underground network, <laughs> um, any network, but the, the undergrounds in particular, you know, the the regularity mm. of their operation is extraordinary. You know, in, in the, uh, another one along every three minutes, and but where do they go? <laughs> uh, they they, they go. just they they go into a tunnel and that's it. They only use them once. Right. That's why they're, they're not also in... fantastically clean. I was just about to say they don't look it. <laughs> they know well, a lot of them say the, the the London ones. What do they say? Metro Camel. Yeah. Um, on the footplates as you get on Metro Camel, nineteen seventy something. A lot of them say. Often seventy two for some reason. That must have been a bumper year. Right. They must have built <laughs> yeah, millions really well. of them. <laughs> <laughs> we must have got some good quality steel from somewhere. Or let's build some tube trains. I I can remember travelling to London in the late 70s, and again, probably tube enthusiasts will say, no, this is completely wrong. But I can remember seeing pre-war tube stock um, through the 80s. Because, as you say, when you get on a tube train and the doors open and there's a a footplate and the door aperture with the manufacturer name and the date the tube was built or that particular carriage was built, I can certainly remember seeing 1938... Wow! On uh, 
on tube trains. I think it was the Northern Line, mm-hmm. um, particularly. But yeah, I remember thinking, like, this, this train's so much older than I am. Yeah. Um, a lot of them, one or two were, were kept, were preserved, and they used to sell them. There's a railway on the Isle of Wight um, that goes from Ride Pier to somewhere in, across the island. And they used to sell that the old tube stock to them. And I think they've just got rid on the Isle of Wight. They're just bringing in the new ones now. But so some of those will potentially have been pre-war tube trains that were on the uh, on the Isle of Wight, which oh, is really? a fabulous place to go for old cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought a um, I bought a uh, um, oh god, we mentioned them before, but this is just chance. Um, a Mark II Granada, um, yeah. two litre L Estate. Um, four-speed Pinto engine, uh, brown, uh, plus nice. plus plus rust brown. Um, it was pretty sorry for itself, but I bought that. How much was it? I think it was about ninety quid or something. Um, it was under a hundred. <laughs> um, um, so cheaper than had... the cost of the ferry. Yeah, it cost more to get it back than I don't know what I was thinking, but uh, but it was actually. Do you know what? It was really useful. I used it to move house, um, and then sorry, sorry about this, Mark II owners. I eventually disposed of the thing by using it as a mobile skip. I the, the, this is really wrong. No, this is really wrong. But I discovered discovered that best way of getting rid of a car was the council at that time. The, hmm. ca- the council would come for a very small fee. I can't remember what it was, 30 quid or something, and come and get an old car for you and take it away. Mm. Um, so so basically, the bigger the car you could get, the better, because you just stuffed it with any rubbish that you wanted to get rid of. So it became like a, oh. effectively a mobile skip. And then they turn up, lower the windows, whack a chain through hoik it up and onto the low loader and off it would go including all your rubbish so for 30 quid it was a lot cheaper than a skip even in fact even if you involved the the cost of the the granada to start with at 90 quid 120 quid that's still cheap for a skip true and the advantage (laughs) being when the windows are up other people can't use it it's true whereas if you put a skip outside your house you'll immediately find out just how many friends with rubbish you've got (laughs) <laughs> two minutes after it's delivered it's full <laughs> yeah but i mean be honest uh, you, you you know if you are walking along a street there's a skip and you've got a can or a, a car oh, yeah. or something in your hand i mean yeah yeah you know. it is a rite of passage isn't it to not use a bin to just to put your rubbish in a skip <laughs> that's right there's a bin opposite to the right and there's a skip to the left well, it's a skip isn't it it's easier the aperture is larger can can you resist walking past a skip and not just having a quick look in there to see see if there's anything? Oh no, you've got to have a look. No, you've got to have. A look. In fact, we were walking along. Um, we went out for a walk the other day. <laughs> it wasn't a skip, but someone had put a absolute enormous pile of rubbish on the um, pavement, blocking the pavement completely. It was, it was almost like a fly tip, but it wasn't. I don't know what these people were thinking, but it was excellent. And, and the, but there were bags of you know electronics and, and things, and there was a, a PlayStation and a yeah. Uh, yeah, there was lots of stuff. And <laughs> my wife, my wife was still talking. Didn't realise that I'd stopped. <laughs> <laughs> Carried on up the road, turned around, and said, "Oh, come I on!" You were shoulder deep in the skip. 
hauling out grandfather rapid. clocks and <laughs> Jane's guide to fighting aircraft and whatever else was in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I can't resist. I don't think I've ever taken anything out of a skip. Oh, I'm, I've I've taken paperback books out of skips, um, once or twice. Just when walking past, and thought, "Oh, that looks worth a read." <laughs> you just pull it out and have a you know quick flick through, make sure it's not. Not been, you know, something horrible been done to the book, or <laughs> not even a lot of rat attached to it, or something. But um, yeah, I've I've played, I've certainly pulled books out, skipped, and I've uh, come back. I came back from the tip once. <laughs> I took one small load to the tip, mm-hmm. came back, <laughs> came back with an upright piano. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> full size. Um, you may ask how did it fit in the car it didn't Uh, part of the 50 quid deal was that they they delivered it on their car low loader Um, so they strapped this piano to a car low loader um, uh, because it had wheels on it this thing Mm. it was about the Mm. only thing that worked Um, anyway I I don't know that it was hugely popular it did smell a bit Uh, anyway uh, (laughs) and a few mice but you know yeah anyway um so I think it was 50 quid for the piano uh, and then I had to get a local piano tune around because it was unplayable. I mean, not that I could play, but it was unplayable. And um, anyway, he spent some considerable time tuning it. Uh, I asked him as he left how long I should expect it to stay in tune, uh, yeah, to which he you know, delivered the usual gag about the, the you know, the, the warranty's as good as uh, the length of your driveway. Um, and as good yeah. as his word, I think by the time he was out of the cul-de-sac, you know, a C, a C had become an A. Um, and uh, <laughs> it really wasn't good. But I learned how to, I learned how to tune a piano then. And, and it turns out that those oh. pegs that, yeah, that the strings are attached on a, uh, I can't remember what the size was, but I, <laughs> I got an old socket, um, not a metric one, an imperial one, um, uh, and just good, banged yes. them on, and they fit, they fitted perfectly with a ratchet, and then you could tune the thing. I mean, it, it, so you, if you wanted to play the piano, you had to sit down and tune it first. Um, <laughs> it's clearly a good one then. Oh yeah, it took some time to tune it. Because um, you know, particularly the upper notes, um, or is it the middle ones? I can't remember now. Have like three strings per note. Okay. So, and of course, each of those goes out of tune at a different rate to each other. So it's not just however many keys there are on a standard keyboard. It's that times two slash three. So it's a lot of strings going on in those things. But anyway, um, the the well, you wouldn't <laughs> let it beat you. No, the uh, I, I still can't play now. Instantly. Oh. Um, but we don't have the piano anymore because we moved house, um, and the the end of the piano came when I can't remember what their names were. Well, in fact, I wouldn't use their name now anyway. But they bought the house. <laughs> we offered them the piano <laughs> for nothing. Mm. They thought this was a terribly generous offer, so they said yes. So we left the piano in the house. <laughs> Result: fantastic. Yeah. So no <laughs> no clearance charges. I was gonna, I was gonna try and shoehorn in some sort of joke about now the piano's tuned, it goes faster. But uh, <laughs> I felt that was too much of a dad joke, so, um, so obviously I didn't. And then I, I did. I think, um, I think we need to save this because I, I'd, I'd bothered to do my homework and you'd done none. Um, therefore, no. well, I didn't actually know what the topic was. We, we couldn't quite figure <laughs> it out, could we? Well. 
clearly we still can't half an hour later because we've talked well, that, about everything. That conversation except. we had yesterday where we went, we're professionals, we can wing it for 40 minutes. And <laughs> this was did. the result. <laughs> Early morning local radio. <laughs> Very local. Um... I think I think that's probably as good a moment to um, call it quits, actually, and say let's get back on board quickly and do a car-related podcast <laughs> next time. That <laughs> sort of started off car-related, didn't it? And to be clear, there's absolutely nothing wrong with local radio. Next week, I promise I'll rein us back on topic. Do join us then for another edition of Car Chum. Pip, pip.